And I was like, hey, Jeff, let me take the Lamborghini because it was just sitting in the driveway at that point. He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I drive it. And with about 35 seconds, a couple of minutes, I'm really like, what a piece of crap this thing is. Like, <laughs> it's a by the way, like it's just ridiculous. It's small. It's a little cockeyed. It's rough. It's bumpy. It's fast. It's not that fast. Like my car is very fast. This thing's probably faster, but like, whatever. I call Jeff and I'm like, I can't believe what a piece of crap this car is. This totally sucks. Like blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> I feel annoyed because I just spent half an hour on this drive whining about this thing. And I was just going to do it again. I was going to start again as I was driving it back, complaining about it. And I was like, it's kind of making me annoyed. Like, and so I just swapped. And I just said, well, let me just see if I can like fix this, right? And so I started like ripping the wheel and I started thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm driving a Lamborghini. Like I am in the, I'm, I'm on the 170 heading home in a Lamborghini that I didn't have to pay for. I can't believe it. Like I've always wanted a Lamborghini. I get to drive it. I could do this anytime. I could, I could rent one of these anytime I wanted. I could buy one if I wanted. Like, and I remember thinking, like, I can't believe how different those two feelings were, right? And so I started to do this routine. Every time I would get in my car, it was a car I'd always wanted. As a little kid, I finally owned it. And then I, when you're in L.A., you hate everything you drive, right? And every time I would get in the car and I'd do the little push button to start it, I would say, I can't believe I, get to, I, can't believe I own this car now. After all these years, I can't believe this is my car. That's it. Five seconds. And then I started doing it. I'd have to go feed the horses and I like to see the horses. And I started doing this routine. Like I'd have to walk. It was a long way. It was like three acres. So I had to walk across the thing. And so every time as I was walking from the house to the barn, I do the big deep breath and I'd look around and be like, I can't believe this is my house. I can't believe I own this. This is amazing. Right. Didn't matter how I felt. I just did that. And then what I found is like doing that for five seconds a day, twice was easy. Then I was doing it 15 seconds. Then I was doing it a minute. Then I was doing it for five minutes and 10 minutes. Then I don't have to think about it. Then I just felt it without having to tell myself to feel that way. And like you practice that you get in the moment. And so that instead of you thinking about like, how do I get to be better next? It's like, imagine how you would have felt five years ago. If you were looking at today, how would you felt if you had all these things? Oh my God, my house is amazing. Like those little things it's not about changing your feeling right now. It's about building the physiological response so that you don't have to tell yourself to feel that way. You start to feel that way all the time. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Proper Creative. They help me with our brand content and, of course, making our swag. They're the ones that ship it out to us. That's Proper Creative, and they work with any type of business, whether you're a big corporation or a small business or even running it out of your house. They will work with you, and they will help you and relieve a ton of liability and work from your shoulders. That's Proper Creative. You can follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R, or you can go to their website at P-R-O-P-R. R-O-P-R-L-L-C.com. Let Proper Creative help you build your brand and sell direct to consumer, regardless of the size of your business. Proper Creative is definitely a good choice. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am Matt Rogers. So excited to be here. For those of you who follow me on uh, Instagram, first of all, thank you so much. But you know that we just got back from our Big trip around America. We were on the road for 31 days. That explains my beginning of my Moses beard that I'm growing. And it Dude, gets grayer. Gorgeous. It gets grayer every year. I love it, man. With me, as always, is uh, my producer, Eli Adelman. And people don't know this, but you and I, we haven't seen each other in over a month. Dude, we're back. You look younger. I look older. 
Wow. How does that happen? I'm the one that went on vacation. I'm Jewish, so. (laughs) You're the chosen one. He's a Jew. I'm a Gentile. That's why he has the favor of the Lord around him. That's right. Um, But, dude, as always, bragging about our guest. I think that's the best part of this show. Hold on. Let me move my mic. I don't like the way I'm leaning. It's fine. Um, I believe we have the best guests. This is no different. You've seen me in the past bring on, like, my bosses. We've had my boss from my payroll company, Vince Lombardo. We had my boss from my auctions, Jeff Ginn. And this was my boss. I don't actually remember the exact year. I'm going to say somewhere around 2010. Uh, He was my boss in terms of the president of Three Ball Production Company, which, you know, was the world's, you know, one of the world's largest uh, production companies. He produced... Uh, he was the executive producer of The Biggest Loser, Bar Rescue, Master Chef with Gordon Ramsay, Extreme Makeover, Weight Loss Addiction. Uh, Edition. He has sold over 300 television projects. The guy's a freaking genius. So before I bring, before I bring him in, I do want to say this. We just got back from our vacation, and my wife and I were, were hitting our 16 year of being married uh, married. I feel like we're really hitting our strive in terms of learning how to enjoy each other, our kids, and life, regardless of how much money we make. Because I can say I haven't really made more money in the last you know, five or six years. Like I've, I've pretty much stayed the same. But our enjoyment and what we do, I feel rich. Like right. I feel like we're doing more. And this guy... Brant Panvitic, he is what I would say the guru at this. He told me something when I had lunch with him about a month ago. He goes, Matt, we are professionals at acquisitions and achievements, but we are amateurs at enjoyment. So, yes, we're going to talk about sales, production, all that, but we're going to concentrate today more on enjoyment. Once we get there, how do we enjoy it? Because to be honest, a lot of us don't know how to enjoy simple things we don't know how to enjoy our kids we don't know how to enjoy our marriage we don't know how to enjoy the house that we worked and prayed for for so long and then we finally get it and it's like eh, that's it well this guy is a genius at it let's bring him in brant panvitic my old boss dude, there you dude, are now that is an intro i'm gonna bring you on the road with me i mean that is epic right there you're I, epic. I like myself now well look at, i mean because here's the truth we, I was the host. You chose me to be your host for a show, which I'm really bummed. Never made the air. It was on VH1. It was called Office Bonus. Long story short, Eli, it was cool. Like, I had like 25 grand in a briefcase. We ransacked DC Shoe Company, the guys that make DC yeah, shoes. Yep. And it was like the accountant, the the president, the sales guy, the you know little hot warehouse chick in the back, whatever, all that stuff. And we locked them in, and they couldn't leave until they all agreed on the one person that was going to get the 25 grand. Dude. So it was almost like cool. Survivor and Big Brother in an office. That's a brilliant it, idea. It was freaking a brilliant idea. It didn't see the air. What happened? I mean, it, I listen, I could talk for an hour and a half about the idiocy of television and how these decisions are made. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's random crapshoots of stuff. And, and you know, to be fair, I've, I've run a network before. And, you know, you get, hundreds of great ideas in theory and so you're just sifting through them and something somebody didn't like about something it didn't fit the way whatever i don't know it's just budgetary concerns there's a million things that could go wrong with that so and i wish i could say that was the only time that happened but that happened to me that happened hundreds of times hundreds of times but that's the the way television is 
the thing that was so cool about that show is like, I want to say like the, the nerdy accountant guy that nobody knew. Cause none of these people really had relationships. They knew of each other. Like, right. Oh, you're the person that works on the second floor. I've seen you at the water cooler whatever. Right. But they didn't really know each other. And at the end, so I would do these things like, okay, we're all voting now. You're voting for the person you think deserves the money. So round right. one, they all voted for themselves. So we didn't have a decision. And then I'm like, Hey, by the way, every time you don't, come to an agreement i'm taking away two grand whatever oh, so the, man the pot would get smaller Dude. and then at the end i don't know the guy walked away with like 15 or 20 grand but he kind of manipulated him and lied about like his mom having cancer and he needed the money bro and he was like crying and then he walked away and like the last shot was him being like ha ha, ha. oh man I so got great. Him. oh so it was great. freaking great Dude, i wonder what their working relationship was after that but. brant would know but did we ruin the company <laughs> no i don't think so I mean, and the truth is, I don't know. I don't know. The show didn't get picked up. What do I care about them? They're dead to me. So let's get your background real quick, because you're originally from Canada. And just yeah. honestly, if you can, maybe brag about yourself a little bit, because uh, you came here, you were, it's, you know, you lived a simple yeah. life in Canada, and you came here, and, and honest to God, you are one of the biggest producers and presidents <laughs> in production. Like you've done everything. How did that happen? So I lived in, you know, I grew up in Canada as a serial entrepreneur, mostly failed, but basically exclusively failed. I tried new stuff, but in Canada, you just, it's, there's no celebration of entrepreneurship like there is in the United States. There's no acceptance of potential and striving for something where it's just not the way the culture is. So I never fit in at all. And, you know, I was 27 and lost a bunch of money and businesses up and down. We were living in my, my, in my parents' basements with my wife and my two-year-old child. And, you know, through various nightclubs and dumb stuff, I, I had an idea for a TV show that I tried to make in Canada, which uh -huh. didn't go anywhere. And I happened to just know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who said they'd take a meeting in Los Angeles. And I flew down. I didn't have money on my credit card to, to pay for the week of hotel you needed to get the cheap week of flight. I just figured I'd figure it out. And then, you know, long story short on that is NBC ended up buying the show. I ended up getting a bunch of job offers because what they had seen me do to this show to get it ready to pitch somebody, had no one had ever seen that before. And it, because in my world, no one understood television or thought about television or wanted to be part of television. So I did like outline it so detailed and, and that was just new to them in reality TV at the time. So, and also the bosses of these networks were just getting their jobs for the first time. So they didn't know that I come from Canada with nothing like they, that wasn't something in their right equilibrium. They didn't get that understanding. <laughs> and so I moved down, I got this job, I got a one year contract. My wife was making, I think $39,000 at IBM. I had no job and I'd lost money. And my first contract was $110,000 for the year. So I was like, Holy crap, American, by the way, which is like 150 Canadian. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'll come down. We'll live here for one year. They'll figure out that I don't know anything about anything. And I've never worked in television and know nothing. We'll go back and I'll, we'll save those money. This is great. And so it just, it didn't go that way. It went the other way. And so I remember very good story when I, I, I sold a pilot right away when I, when I started and, and it was called muscle car makeover. And it was this taking people's old muscle cars that they haven't been able to finish. And we finished it for them. Surprise. And we were screening the pilot in Las Vegas where you bring people from, because Vegas has people from all over the country. You put a group of them in behind the two-way glass or the one-way glass, and you basically show them a pilot and they tell you what they like and they don't like, right? Mm -hmm. I've only ever seen this in movies or TV. I've never been in one of these things. And so we're there and I'm with the president of the network. We're sitting there and they're going to screen the pilot and the guy who's running the thing comes out and he says, uh, hey, so Brant Paul, do you guys want to use the slide or the dial for audience reaction? 
And he looks at me and goes, I don't know, Brad, you've done this more than I have. What do you want to do? <laughs> What'd you say? And I was like, I was like, well, I like to slide, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and so that felt like that was my career for a long time. Just like trying to figure out that, you know, I don't want anybody to catch me that I don't really know what's going on. But what you realize relatively quickly is sort of everybody's in that mode. Like nobody's really qualified for these jobs. Like it's just not like that. And so you know, four years in, I was running a network. And then at some point I realized, wait a minute, like I actually do know this stuff and, right. and I'm pretty good at this side of the business. So, you know, I had a really, really good run. Um, I sold a lot of TV shows. I got in a really good zone and, you know, my job was to come up with the ideas and to convince the network to give us a pile of money to try them. And then the, you know, the, the team comes in and tries to make them as good as possible. And so we got very lucky on a few of them, uh, not so lucky on a bunch of other ones, but that's the business, you know, that's what it was. And, over the years, I realized that I didn't love television. I didn't like, that's the thing. I wasn't drawn to television. I didn't love it. It wasn't part of my upbringing where I wanted to do. I loved being successful. And in Canada, I had never found success. I had never found any sort of happiness or joy in the work process. Mm -hmm. I had always felt ostracized. I never felt like, like I found my people. And in Los Angeles, I found my people. I found where I was supposed to be. And Tasting success for the first time was wildly addictive. And so that's really what made me good at what I was doing is I wanted it so bad to be good at it. But after a while, it's like that, you know, diminishing returns, right? Like I had been good and I had been at the where I was a pretty high on the mountain. And so it stopped being the same rush for me. Right. And I realized all I was left with is, is an industry that I don't really love in a creative space that isn't really creative like people think. And I just, you know, for the, for the last five years, I was just kind of like, ugh, am I just chasing paychecks? And that's literally what it became. And I, I remember I did it twice where I took a job or I took a, a deal just because of the numbers. And after the first time, I realized, well, that was terrible. And then I did it again. And so it was like, oh, <laughs> You Which know, most of uh, us do. So I mean, I we all we all chase money for the most part, right? Yeah. I mean, I could think of countless yeah. times, and even still, with you know, without getting too much into it, I still do stuff I don't want to do because there's money attached to it. But the way I justify yeah. it, it's like, well, I got to take care of my family somehow. Yeah, of I, course. I got to do what I don't want to do now, so I can do what I do want to want to do later, right? Yeah. Well, and there's two things about that. Yes, what you do, what you want to do later. The problem is later comes around, you lost sight of what you want to do, and I do that on my in, in on stage. I literally ask people like. If you didn't have to work, if you weren't, if you weren't working, like, what do you actually want to do? Like, and that's the thing. People really lose sight of that. Right. And, and there's a difference between chasing money for the, the needs and the desires of your day-to-day -day life. And in today's world, you know, we're so spoiled. Like the difference between someone who makes 70,000 and 170,000 or 270,000 is, is very, very little in the real world. Yeah, your car's a little bit faster and maybe the leather's a little softer, but they both have air conditioning and they both have, you know, power windows and you're both new. Like a new Hyundai is, yeah, it's not yeah. as the new Mercedes. I get it. But it, in the real, like if you're being objective, they're very close. Same thing with a house, like a three bedroom house that costs, you know, $1,800 a month here and a 7,000 square foot home, like still has the basic, like, functionality like you have a bedroom and your kitchen may be a little bigger like all of those things yes they get bigger and better but it is the diminishing return is so fast that that's where people have a real problem is that you get the things and then the things don't get better enough 
they just don't they don't get better enough and the and the and the jump from 250,000 to 400,000 is nothing in lifestyle like nothing so Zero. That, you get that's no return I, from it that's what i really wanted to dive into because you have been around i'm just going to say you know you you you're friends with the guy that created youtube the president of youtube you're friends with the vice president of cbs like these are your people and their success at the at the topest the highest level but yeah. you know can we kind of dive into that like these people are making 20 30 40 50 million dollars a year but i was sitting around with you in minnesota a week ago in our campers and you said, Matt, and I really want you to dive into the story because it's so important for you who are listening. It's, it, it's gold. You said, Matt, if I gave my American Express black card to every single person in this trailer park where we're staying at, they would know exactly what to do if I was going to pay for their whole week. But if I were to give this to some of my friends and say, take the week off, they wouldn't know what to do. Why did you say that? And let's tie that into that logo behind you, Reject yeah. Average, which is your nonprofit. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, and, and I use the story well, and, and I've learned this on this trip, is that, like, again, if if I went to any middle America, let's just call it middle America person, and I said, here's the deal. You get four days off. You can take my Amex card. Go find a way to make yourself – find more joy the next four days. Go do what you would do that makes your life better, right? They Like, it wouldn't take them 12 seconds to figure out what to do. They'd know exactly what to buy, where to go, where they want to go fishing. What they want. like, they would know in a heartbeat what to do because their life really focuses more on the finding the joyful moments in their lives. Going, that's why weekends are such a huge thing, right? Because it's like they work, they live, and then they they have something they want to do. They have hobbies, they have friends, they have people, they have barbecues, they have smokers, and they, they that's what they would do. And th- that person would know exactly where they want to go and what they want to do and what they want to buy. And they would actually have a better four days in the last four days. And most of my friends, you know, wealthy, high-performing people on that side, if you made them the same offer, they would have no idea what to do to bring themselves more joy than the previous four days because they could take four days off whenever they want. They don't need my credit card. They have lots of money. It isn't about that function. It's about that their lives are about sort of consuming success and, and a mission and a target and accumulating and their their world focuses on at some point finding more joy or squeezing joy into that process and the it is so different for the rest of the world where joy becomes a, is a much higher priority it's harder to get there are more barriers mm-hmm. for people that don't make as much money or are in jobs they don't like there's more barriers to joy but the vision is clear they understand what it looks like they understand how to get it and a lot of the people I know on the high-performing side, they don't have barriers to joy, as I call it. They just don't have a vision. They have blurry vision as to what it is. And that's why you find so many people who are so wealthy that cannot stop working. And they actually genuinely love working because they've trained themselves physiologically to only find joy at the office because that's what they're good at. And, and being good at something and having a mission that you can accomplish is human nature we need that and a lot of high performing people men specifically just they get they train themselves to find joy in the office environment or work and they lose sight of everything else so i guess for lack of a better term so who has it right is it middle america that 
doesn't know how to break through the barriers, but they have the vision? Or is it yeah. the rich people that have already broken it's, down the barriers, but they don't have the it's vision? It's very few. It's very few people, which is the irony of a way our society has been built, right? Because you can go to France, for example, and no offense to French people, but you go to France and they're like taking three hours off in the afternoon and they live a life of leisure and, and, and that's all fine, but they're poor. And their country produces nothing of value, basically. Like, and I'm paraphrasing and I'm trying to make a joke, but, um, <laughs> and I don't care if French people send me messages. I just don't care because they really don't. Like, they, they, it's a different lifestyle, right? And people here would not be happy with that. And I don't right. preach that. And there's a difference between, you know, the Warren Buffett of the world who has more money than he knows what to do with and never does anything but work, and the 47 year old whitewater rafting guy who's never had $10 in his bank account, right? Like, like those are the two extremes. And we, we picture growing up that we start on this end, working, 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 working. We'll get to the point when and then we cruise, right? And that's what yep. you want. And the problem is like we vision that at the beginning and then we just move the goalposts. And so you keep working and grinding and grinding and grinding and, and you accumulate stuff and, and expenses and expectations and you just keep going and you never find the happy balance, the medium. And that's very hard to do. And it's a, not a product of us whether you're in the middle America, whether you're high performing, whether you're the Wall Street trader, it's not, it's not that. It's culturally, we just don't know when to pull the ripcord and be like, okay, enough's enough. Because we 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 have the scarcity mentality. And most of my friends, you know, there's there was a time, and it's still bad, but there was a time when TV was like, oh my God, we're gonna, we're gonna TV's over. You know, and and I would have after I wrote the book and I, I sort of left the day-to-day TV, and I I had literally more than two dozen of my executive friends come out to the house and sit down and ask me about how to plan their next move out of television. Right. Which by the way, I really, I really want to tell everybody too, because I left this out on the top. Brant's also a best-selling offer or a best-selling author of the three minute rule, which we'll get into that because that really hit the scenes in about a year and a half, two years ago. And you're a best-selling author, but okay, keep going ahead. Sorry. I wanted to say that. Yeah. But the important part of that is most of them, a lot of the sort of resistance to finding something else was financial, which is, which is very odd because you're dealing with people that for, you know, literally make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And in American society today, like that's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money if you live in LA in that sort of treadmill, mm-hmm. but <laughs> like, it's so weird. We get this odd perspective about it. And they think that if they stop working in television, they'll never make any more money. Totally. And so they have to have enough to just do nothing and spend all their money for the rest of their life. And, you're, and, and, and I've been in that mentality, but what you realize, and what I think I said to you was that you can't, you can't get out of the way of money. You can't, you can't avoid it. You can't hide from it. It's coming for you. It's going to find you. It will force you to do things. It's just what happens the way our world works. If you're even remotely successful, if you're even remotely driven, if you're even remotely smart. I was going to say, is this for everybody? For everybody yeah. or just top producers? Everybody. Everybody. It, it sort of obviously scales on what you do and where you're experienced and what you're driven for. But opportunity and, and commerce is everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. And so it's, it's been interesting to see how many people are resistant to that. And so it's hard to say your original question, like who has it right? I would say the preponderance is middle America has it better. They, they have more friends. They have better relationships. They enjoy their things more. And in general, I find them to be happier people. 
uh, and, they, and they make the better of their time. Time obviously is very limited and they actually have a better sense of that. Now, again, there are some financial restrictions to that. It, you know, when you're poor, I've been poor for, I was poor for a very long time and it's all of those things then become impossible to do. It's after you cross that, that threshold where it isn't about survival, it's about thriving. And that's where people start to lose the sense of what is it you actually want to do. And that's why it was hard for me. Retiring from television was a very big decision. You know, it was even before the book did what it did, but it was like, okay, if I never make any more money, like I'd rather spend it all now for the next 25 years and then be a Walmart greeter and survive at 75 years old than keep working and keep grinding, you know, and that's where the, the, the reject average club sort of helped me find that balance. And, and I'm not there yet. I'm not, but I'm way closer than I was. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm getting close to being professional so at can, being a fun having guy. So how can you help middle class to lower middle class people really embrace that in terms of enjoyment? So let's, yeah. let, let, let's take yeah. this for instance, Eli, I'm, I'm going to use you as the experiment awesome. right now. Would you say you make more or less than a hundred thousand a year? Less. Okay, so Eli makes less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Eli, the majority of your money comes from one-off projects, right? Yeah. You do a a, a production here, and yep. you'll they'll pay you two, three grand. You right. do so. How is it possible for Eli to take two weeks off with his family? And I really and I was hoping you can kind of talk about that. Your friend Tony Robbins, who we all know, Tony Robbins, gave you that analogy of not working for a year in your net worth. I mean, yeah. does that does that work with someone who makes less than a hundred grand a year? Well, how old are you, Eli? First, thirty-one. Yeah, see, so you're still pretty young, right? You're in a grind. You're in, uh, you know, you're in grinding mode. So at, the, at that stage, it's it's big earning potential and energy and all of these things. So it's like that should be a lot of your focus. But here's the important thing. And people don't understand that. Like, I'm sure Eli at your stage, like he knows what he likes to do and have fun and do stuff. And what's surprising is as you get older and more successful, you lose sight of those things. You stop wanting to go vacationing. You stop wanting to do various activities. You lose sight of a lot of your hobbies and you get sort of micro-focused in that world. And what I train a lot of my high-performing people and, and even, you know, the friends that are sort of out there, middle America, working it out, is that it it's 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 a muscle you flex it's something you practice you practice the idea of creating joyful competitive fun accomplishing situations anywhere all the time and i'll give you a perfect example when i was trading i you know i did a bunch with some athletes and with the clippers and i would i always and on stage i do this too is i have people like we're gonna have a contest right you're gonna you're gonna walk up these seven steps that's it Whoever walks up these seven steps, the best wins. That's the only criteria. I have $1,000. There's the prize. You get seven steps. So whatever you do up these seven steps, I'm going to be judging you. And whoever walks at the best gets the 1000 bucks. right? Now, you got to <laughs> move quickly. I got a lot of people here, so I don't want you getting up there and not figuring out. So everybody take 30 seconds and figure out what you do. And if you're listening to this, if, you could, if there was, if there was a 50 people in a room and there was seven steps up to the next level and it's like, I'm going to judge and give somebody $1,000, Think to yourself, what would you do to walk those seven steps, right? Now, what's funny is when I'm on stage, I will literally see people, they're smiling, their chest gets big, they're picturing what they're doing, right? And it's like, do you realize how stupid this is? Like, 
No, there's no thousand dollars. We're not walking seven steps. But look at the way your attitude changed when you thought there was a contest on the on the line. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna you know you know how you would be. You'd be big, be smiles. Like that's the mentality. All you need is a little bit of motivation. And like I said, like you're gonna you might go out to a restaurant today. Imagine if I gave the waiter at the restaurant a thousand dollars and like here's the deal. Pick whoever was your favorite uh, patron for the day. What would you do to win? Or the guys, what I would say, like, you know, the basketball guys are going to pick up their car at the ballet. Imagine I went to the ballet guy after this. I said, which was your favorite customer today? What would you do for those, you know, the three minutes you're interacting with the ballet to be in the top three? How are you going to win a medal as the best ballet customer for the day? Now, what that does is it puts you in a mindset of like, here's a goal. Here's an accomplishment. Here's a competition. And I always joke with my guy friends, if I showed up at your house tonight, Matt, at three in the morning, banging on the door, you'd be like, what the hell are you doing here? Right. And I had a baseball and I was like, hey, listen, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you hit that tree in the front yard. I'll give you three shots. <laughs> you'd be like, it's three in the morning, man. My neighbors, you'd be like, you're going to give me three shots? Uh, you know, like your brain loves competing. Your brain loves to win. Your brain loves to accomplish things. And so when you start to find ways to do that in life, and Matt, I've watched you do it. Like when you walk into a room, when we went to the grocery store, if I went back and asked the, the clerk, they'd be like, who was your favorite customer today? There's a good chance you'd be in the top 10 and you weren't even trying, right? And so what you find is it, it brings you joyful moments that you now know how to program your brain to win. And that's where it things. And so someone like Eli, who's in this sort of mode of building and, and growing, it's important to keep those elements where you can find anything and win at it. Anywhere you go, if you're going with your girlfriend to go shop for shoes and you don't want to do that, obviously, who would want to do that? But if there was a prize at the end of the day for the best afternoon boyfriend shopping, how would you win it? What would you do to win that? What prize? are you going to do to win right. Liz and take her shopping? Right. Eli? Liz's is what? Well. Right? Right. Just take or it's shopping. like you have to go spend time with your in-laws or anything that you have to do. If you literally had a contest around it, a, a piece of that, in your mind, you would start to realize that you can create the ability to feel success around any activity. Because at work, right, do you like typing on a keyboard? Do you like making, like, there's no physical element of work or business that you like. It's just the amalgamation of it and the success and setting up a target and knocking it down. So you can, your brain doesn't know the difference. It just knows I have an idea of something, I'm moving towards it, and when I get it, I feel good. And so, yeah, we train ourselves to do that at work all day long. But in the real world, you can train yourself to do that anywhere. And I've learned for myself that as long as I have a mission or something to accomplish or something to feel victorious about, like, it doesn't matter where I go and what I do. We've done, on this trip, you know, we've been gone for almost six months, 176 activities now. And if you, if you, if you objectively looked at them, there was a bunch that you'd be like, oh, that wasn't very cool or that didn't work out the way you wanted. Except that's not the way I feel because every time we went somewhere, it was kind of like I was going to win the day. It's like, this is awesome. And it just, it, that's the way you start to feel. And so now my days are spent searching and finding joy every day. And the times when I'm pissed off and angry and things don't work and I can't find my keys and my wife's pocket, like those things happen all the time, but they take up far less time. And those become the finite moments and not the day. And where a lot of people live with a lot of their day in struggle, chaos, stress, 
and they try to find little pieces of joy, right? And what you want to do is, is flip that paradigm so that, Eli, when you start to be in a position where you've saved money and, you, and the job's working out well, it's like you know where the goalposts are for not only now do I want to go spend a lot of my time and energy going to do stuff that I really enjoy, but I have to know what those things are. And I have to have developed the skills to create that joy in all different things because you can't just magically do it. You can't just magically start being a guy who has fun all the time. It doesn't work like that. Would you know, Eli, if, if Brant gave you his black Amex card and said, take the next four days off, I'm going to pay for all your bills and everything. Would you know ex- what, what would you do? Man, honestly, I don't know. Oh no, you <laughs> failed. I know you failed, right? You don't know what you would do. Well, I mean, like, sorry, okay. Switch cameras here. Uh, like, I don't know. We we have fun, you know. We do, and I really enjoy what I do, which is probably what do you and your wife do for fun? We go on walks and dates and all that fun stuff. Do you so, flirt with her? Oh yeah, a little touchy touchy. I mean, here kind of like when you were yeah. eighteen again, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going there. So okay, so Brant says I'm going to pay for everything. You're yeah. like, you're going to say, okay, I'm going for a walk. No, nah, I mean we could probably go for vacation or something. You know, Where I mean, would you like, go? We're going. I mean, this weekend we're going to the lake. What lake? Oh, Lanier. Oh yeah, yeah, look at you going to Lake Lanier. Yeah, we're doing the Georgia. Thing. Yep. So, yeah, dude, buddy. let's go. Let's do it. Um, Brent, can you speak specifically to my wife Terry in this example? She's not listening right now, but she will listen tomorrow when this airs. We're gonna do a one day flip on this one. So, yeah, Tuesdays and Thursdays are the most mundane days for my wife. You and I talked about how most people live from 80% of tasks or the mundane or whatever you could, you word it way better than I do. And then they work for that, you know, 20% of joy, which is normally found on the weekends. We're having a birthday party or going to my friends for a barbecue. How can my wife find joy on Tuesdays and Thursdays? She wakes up, she gets the kids ready for school. So easy. She has to do laundry. Your wife is a perfect example. Your wife is so... But she's nonstop tasks. It's not fun for her, but she has to do it. How can she find joy in that? Look, here's the thing about your wife that I know already, right? She likes to plan stuff. Like the fact that she helped plan your vacation, she's got stuff like she's really good at that. And you know what she likes? Like, I'm sure she likes being out in the camper stuff, but she likes when it goes well. When, when you go to a place that turns out to be really well that she discovered and she found, right? Like that's a huge win for her. Right. I know that the personality type. So from your wife's perspective, what's happening on Tuesdays and Thursdays is the tasks <laughs> become the mundane side of it. There's no, there's no excitement. There's no planning. There's no special. There's no, res, there's no reveal. There's no result. Right. <laughs> and so a lot of what I'm training now in this sort of just this daily joy thing is she needs to actually like plan something specific on Tuesday and Thursday that would be slightly I would almost say for her, I would almost say complicated to fit into the, the schedule so that it's like it becomes like, you know, it's the all right, let's get this done kind of thing. Because right now it's kind of like, oh, I want to break. Whereas if watching her mindset, the simplicity of her would just be just needs a she needs a win. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she needs to plan something very specific on those two days that like she accomplishes. And it becomes a win. And I remember this. I remember this moment so specifically. My kids were like, I think six, four, and two. And I wanted to go to the beach in Santa Monica. My wife does not like the beach. She hates the sand, blah, blah, blah. And like, I really wanted to go with the kids. And she's like, nah, I don't want to go. And I was like, well, I better take them. She's like, you're going to take all three of them. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take all three. I loaded the kids into the car. I drove down to Santa Monica. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Like, oh, and I, and I got this, I got my mindset. I was like, if Jeff Probst from Survivor came out as I was unloading the car, and he's like, Brad, here's the challenge. You've got three kids. You've got four hours on the beach. You got to get them fed. You got to keep them alive. You got to get the sand out and you got to get them back home. <laughs> do that and you'll win. You know, you win parent Survivor. And so I was like, okay, what would I do? And I burst out of the car and I get them and I'm changing them and moving them and I'm doing the swimsuits and the things and I'm getting, I'm going to pinks and grabbing hot and like I'm doing all this crazy stuff. And like as I'm doing it, I'm kind of like, holy crap, like I am so over the top pulling this off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Got all three of them going here, three of them there. They're fed. This one's in the water. I got this moving along. We're dancing. I am just kill, like just killing it. Right. <laughs> and I'm loading them back in the car after four or five hours. And I'm, you know, distracting the two-year-old and put him in and I'm getting this one. I got this. And these three women, these older women come up to me and they go, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. We don't need to serve you, but we've been watching you all day. And I have to say, it is the most amazing thing to watch. These children. You are just incredible. I just, we had to come say something. Now, as a guy who is one chromosome away from being a, ca- a caveman, it's like, well, thank you, ladies. Yes, I, I'm super dad, right? Now, I really like that. I love that feeling. And I came home and, of course, flopped the kids in the stand and the disaster that it was for my wife to clean up. But I felt like I crushed that. And so I started finding moments like that with the kids more often. I started Saturday Secret Adventures where I would just plan something on Saturday, not tell the kids, and just go do it. And they got more and more elaborate and wild and crazy. Give me an an idea. Give me an an idea of someone who can't spend $200 on a Saturday for their kids. What's a Saturday Secret Adventure you could do with kids? Yeah, so we went to Home Depot, and I went and got those painters' outfits. They're like a dollar each, you know, the white like paper. Yep. Right, and the safety goggles, and then I went to the store and bought like ten things of Diet Coke, and like ten <laughs> packs of Mentos. Yeah. And we went to an empty abandoned parking lot, and we set up all these different scenarios, and the kids got their things on, and we Diet Coke geysers, right? You called them and it was Secret like, Saturday Adventures? Secret Sa- Saturday Secret Adventures. And so what Saturday happened was the kids would wake adventures. up Saturday and they'd be like, what are we doing today? And I would just, you know, I did a scavenger hunt one, one weekend, which was amazing, which was like almost like an obstacle scavenger hunt, which, yeah, it took me a couple hours the night before to plan it. And then I drove around town and planted little envelopes, like stuff like that. But that was because I had been doing it for so long. I started to love it. Like in your brain, hearing that, you're like, oh my God, that's so much work. And it's like, yep. it was but I didn't start out doing it that way. I started out with like, you know, it'll be fun. Let's drive to Burbank today and go to the Chuck E. Cheese in Burbank because they'll have different video games and the kids will go, they went crazy over that kind of stuff. And then we went fishing and we like, it was all different things and it didn't have to be big and it wasn't crazy, but it was just like, it was a bike ride somewhere completely different, but it was out of the ordinary, out of the norm planned. And after those every day, I felt like a damn superhero because I was super dad and that made me become more super dad. You know what I mean? Like, because I liked winning who doesn't like to win. You know what I mean? And that was, that was the start of this where I started to understand, like, that's why I sort of became the parent and the husband and the friend. And the thing I, I I've been today is because, you know, my basic financial needs were met from moving to this wonderful country. I was finding success at the office but I was finding ways to make success in other ways. And I liked being 
I like being good at stuff. I like being the good friend that if you called and said, hey, I need help moving, I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. Not because I want to help you move, but because I want you to be like, this guy's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm basically a caveman. I'm an insecure, narcissistic caveman. So tell me I'm pretty, I'll do anything, right? <laughs> and so I just find ways to get to feel like people think I'm pretty. That's basically it. And that little finding joy consistently has been a, well, you, you know, you've, you've been around me. It's a total game changer for my life. And your wife would be able to do that in seconds. Of, of all the people I know right now, she's the perfect candidate for that because she likes to plan and she's really good at it. Yeah. And so a few more achievements as opposed to, you know, the Monday have to do, it would be like amazing, you know? Dude, your wife's is- probably the type of person that could, if she had tasks, one week she could time them and then see if she could break the record. <laughs> Dude, you're so right. That's so funny. Right? And all of a sudden it's like, that's kind of funny, you know? Like that's, it- but that is the, that is this in the simplest mode. And um, a lot of the guys listening now will understand that if they're doing something, they're working on something, how many times have you had a commentator in your head? calling the play-by-play of your awesome whatever you're doing, right? Like, yeah. we love competition. We love that side of things, you know? Eli, are you a task man like my wife, or are you a caveman like me? Man, I, I kind of fall in the middle. Like, if I have a list, it's the best thing for me because I can bang it out. But yeah. I also like to caveman it up. You do? Yeah. One, one thing you said when we talk about enjoyment, just our natural, innate, you know, human uh whatever the word is that's built inside of us you gave me and you told me a story a couple months ago and i was hoping you can share it because it's it was really powerful for me because we are professionals or professionals in training there's so many things like how to be a better salesperson how to acquire more how to close better everything is based off of acquiring nobody has a podcast a book or anything on how to enjoy more how to enjoy yeah. where you're at? Because if I told people, hey, enjoy where you're at, that almost sounds like don't try to work harder or get more. Just be complacent on where you're at. And that's, yes. not, that's not what I that mean. That is not the point. And, and the problem is, is that you can't do that anyway. You can't just say to somebody, and this is, you know, the, the Tony and I, are, Robbins and I are pretty friends, and this is where his stuff helped me, but also didn't help me because of the way my personality is. Like, I just can't magically do that. You just can't magically enjoy stuff. You just can't magically like whatever the things you're doing. That's not the way the world works. That's not the way humans work, right? And that's, the, that's been the problem. And like to give people some context, you know, like I was a television producer, uh, you, know, uh, inc- you know, makes a lot of money in a move. I, I literally retired to do this book. They don't make any money on the book. I've had some good luck with the consulting and stuff from that, but that really wasn't the point. I basically gave up all of that. I run a nonprofit that takes people and, and executives on these wild adventures on weekends just to go have fun. But I have been doing that side of things since the secret Saturday secret adventure. I had been building and practicing so that I like to do stuff. Like, do I like mountain biking? I guess, but I like when I go mountain biking because I make a thing of it. Mm-hmm. And that I think is important for people to understand that you can't just magically start enjoying it isn't about just changing your life to enjoy the things you do now it's about developing the skill to be able to do that and that's where people have the hardest problem and that's what i was saying to us we are great professionals at the office at business at closing deals at making things happen but we're total amateurs at 
understanding the fundamentals of what makes us happy, what makes us joy, how to spend money to get a return on our, our investment. Like how many hours and time have you invested to make the money you have? Do you even know how to spend it to buy happiness? Like money doesn't buy happiness. It sure as hell doesn't if you don't know how to spend it on it. And that's what I mean with my sort of the credit card analogy is like, do you know, Eli, how to spend money to make yourself happy? Like, could you make your, your trip to Lake Denier more enjoyable for you if you could get a boat and all the things, right? For you right now, like, would you be able to make yourself happier because you have a target? Yes. The question is, is once you have that money, then what is it? Then what do you, how do you use the money to buy yourself better things? Like, you can't just get a bigger plane. You can't just buy a nicer car. You can't get another bedroom onto the rental place you get. Like, if you can afford to go to Hawaii and get a place on the beach and these things, like, you can't just spend your way into more happiness. And that is why we have this crisis among high performers and wealthy people of this unhappiness, this depression, this lack of ability, and they stay in the office because they have no idea how to spend their time, their emotional capital, and their physical capital on anything that makes them happy. And I am not a professional at that yet, but I'm getting pretty bloody good. (laughs) And it takes time and you have to start with little things and learn how to take joy in anything that you do, that you do well, take joy. And that's why when people say, don't you ever take a day off? Like you're so high energy. It's like, I do take days off all the time. And I like to take a nap. And when I take a nap, I'm awesome at it. I'm amazing. I, if there was a prize for best nap this afternoon, I would be in the top 10 in the world. And if I took a day off to do nothing and sit by the pool, I would get in a mental place of like, I am going to crush this. I'm going to end the day and be like, oh my God, I, I just killed it. I did nothing by the pool. Like I just, I had snack or whatever it is, but I would feel the end of that. Like I crushed it. And that's the same kind of feeling I used to get when I'd sell a TV show. And my physiologically, I don't know the difference. Let me ask and you. So, oh, I was that's say- what I do. Here, here's a problem for me and my wife. Not a problem, but this happens. Um, right when we got home from our uh, vacation, which was Wednesday night, Thursday we had one day off. We got everything to prep for the kids uh, for school, so it was kind of like a work day. Friday I flew to California. I worked all weekend, did a couple events, and here I am. This is my first day back. I feel a little depressed inside because it's all over. And I'm very unmotivated to get on the phone and sell a payroll deal. I'm very unmotivated. Like, I'm unmotivated to work. I want to go back and jump through this screen to where you are sitting in front of my camper. Because <laughs> that's where I was, yeah. and that's my happy place. Like, can you help me get happier today? <laughs> I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you, you, have to ha- you have to be able to balance those two things, right? Because a little taste of freedom will make you unemployable. I always make that choice. That <laughs> Dude, joke, it's right? so, so true. <laughs> The, the, the issue that you're going to have is until you can have the same kind of like passion for the day, regardless of what it is you're going to do, like how, if you know, like I have X number of calls to make, I have things to do, I have responsibilities, like it's more important at your stage to focus on how to make those pieces feel less daunting, right? Less of a break from the things you really want to do and more of like, I, whatever I do, I do it well and I enjoy it, right? And you may not feel that right away, but the practice of that, the few minutes a day before the, like that builds, right? 
so that you can you can start to have that the way you are 80% of the time you just need to sprinkle that out of, over the times that you have a responsibility i'm trying and then, oh go ahead and and then but you but more importantly is you have to know what and when can you stop having this responsibility that you don't like the job or whatever it is right like cuz here's the problem like as things go well and the, the the season of the NFL comes out and you're out there making your announcements and you're getting paid like you will be the same thing as as I was as everybody else you'll blow through your goalposts cuz right now your brain is like I just want to be in my camper taking a few more weeks off here and there mm-hmm. and the truth is is that without practice when you can afford to do that more and when you have more time that won't be enough it'll be like now I want to do it full time now I want to do this like are we are programmed to miss and five years ago if you looked at your life where it is right now and i said matt this is where your life's going to be if if i could grant you this with my magic wand would the way you live right now would that be good enough for the rest of your life you'd be like absolutely i'll take it it never has to get better than that if you can give me that picture of where your life is now if i offered that to you five years you'd be like i'll take it you mean i only have to work here and there and i get to be the voice here and i get to travel get like you would have done it in a heartbeat, 10 years, right. five, you know what I mean? Yep. And then here you are, better than you thought it was, and you're like, oh, well, now I want the next thing. And if I, if I, if I could magically whip up a magic ball and be like, here's what your life's going to look like in five years, Matt. you only have to do this, you got this much money in the bank, you got these things, you'd be like, I, that would be it, that'd be it for me, I'd be good. I, I could live the rest of my life if I just had that. So the question is, is like, how do you get a position when you, when you get there that you actually pull the ripcord and be like, now I'm here. Now I'm happy. I'm happy with where I'm at. Right. And I've been training myself to be able to say that if it never gets better than this, am I okay with where I'm at right now? And my answer is unequivocally. Yes. With a tiny little bit of doubt. That's it. A little bit of doubt, a little bit still wants bigger, better stuff, but not as much as it used to. And I'm trying, and I'm training myself that if it never got better than this, I don't fly private. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of things on my on my bucket list of things like i don't have a plane and there's a whole bunch of things i would love as a to be like a super super wildly rich dude i'm not going to get there and if it never gets better than this i'm totally cool dude it's so crazy i'm saying that it it makes me feel guilty honestly because what a lot of people don't know is 2009 was the worst year of my life uh obviously the market crashed uh, but the big thing was my second son, Mason, was born with cystic fibrosis. So depression at its highest and the economy. Long story short, lost my house, lost all of our cars, depressed wife, sick kid. And I went to owning a house to renting. And like Brant said, if you would have told me, Matt, in 2021, you're going to own a house your kid's going to be healed and healthy and not going to have to do breathing treatments anymore. You're going to have money in the bank. You're going to have a kid. I would have been, I'll take it. I'll right. take it right now. And then right. here I am just telling him five minutes ago, I'm kind of depressed right. because <laughs> right. so crazy. Yeah. Now you made me feel and that guilty. is, but here's the thing. You can go to a Tony Robbins seminar and he will, he will fix that for that day because you'll feel that. But the problem is, is that you're not ready to do that day after day because it's not, that's not the way we function. Right. And that's why like Tony's so genius and the way he's so great, but it's a lot of people, they're not programmed like that. Like I can't just, I can't just change my habits. Like it's not the right. way it works. It is the process of, 
practicing that feeling, feeling like this is great. You know, and I used to do that with my car. Did I tell you the Lamborghini story? No, tell me. So it's, it's, it's a good story. So I, my friend rented a Lamborghini to take his kid to graduation on the last day. So he pulls up at the, and the school and picks his kid up in a Lamborghini. That was his graduation thing, right? Really cool. We're having a barbecue at my house that day. I had totally forgot I had a meeting in town. And so everybody's at the house and I was like, oh my God, I got to run in, do this meeting. It's 25 minutes, like 15 minutes to drive. Like I'll be back in an hour and a bit. And I was like, hey, Jeff, let me take the Lamborghini because it was just sitting in the driveway at that point. He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I drive it. And with about 35 seconds, a couple of minutes, I'm really like, what a piece of crap this thing is. Like, <laughs> it's a t- by the way, like, it's just ridiculous. It's small. It's a little cockeyed. It's rough. It's bumpy. It's fast. It's not that fast. Like, my car is very fast. This thing's probably faster, but like, whatever. You know, you're on a normal road. <laughs> it's cramped. The, the, the sound is not great. Like, nothing about it is good. And you're inside, so you can't even see how cool you look in it, right? So, <laughs> so I am just like, this is the dumbest thing. I can't believe people pay money for this, which just sort of angers me that, that the world will be so stupid about it, right? I call Jeff, and I'm like, I can't believe what a piece of crap this car is. This totally sucks, like blah, 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 right? <laughs> and so I drive into town, and blah, 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 and I go to my meeting, and I'm driving back. And I, for whatever reason, I got this sort of air of like, what kind of complains about a Lamborghini, right? That sort of crossed my mind. And I was like... I feel annoyed because I just spent half an hour on this drive whining about the thing and I was just going to do it again. I was going to start again as I was driving it back, complaining about it. I was like, it's kind of making me annoyed. Like, it's actually ruining my afternoon. And so I just swapped and I just said, well, let me just see if I can like fix this, right? And so I started like ripping the wheel and I started thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm driving a Lamborghini. Like, I am in the, I'm, I'm on the 170 heading home in a Lamborghini that I didn't have to pay for that my friend let me use and like everybody else like and I it's I can't believe it like I've always wanted a Lamborghini I get to drive it I could do this anytime I could I could rent one of these anytime I wanted I could buy one if I wanted like and here I am in this and I and I drove the whole way home just like just feeling that mm-hmm. and I got by the time I got home I actually genuinely felt better and he was like, oh, what a piece of crap, right? He's like, oh, no, it's great. I, you know, uh, whatever, right? And I remember thinking, like, I can't believe how different those two feelings were, right? And so I started to do this routine. Every time I would get in my car, it was a car I'd always wanted. As a little kid, I finally owned it. And then I, when you're in L.A., you hate everything you drive, right? And every time I would get in the car and I'd do the little push button to start it, I would say, I can't believe I, get to, I, can't believe I own this car now. After all these years, I can't believe this is my car. That's it. Five seconds. And then I started doing it when I would, because um, you weren't at my house, but I, I had a, like, a bunch of acres and I had horses in the back and, and I'd have to go feed the horses and I like to see the horses. And I started doing this routine. Like I'd have to walk. It was a long way. It was like three acres. So I had to walk across the thing. And so every time as I was walking from the house to the barn, I'd do the big deep breath and I'd look around and be like, I can't believe this is my house. I can't believe I own this. This is amazing, right? Didn't matter how I felt. I just did that. And then what I found is like, Doing that for five seconds a day twice was easy. Then I was doing it 15 seconds. Then I was doing it a minute. Then I was doing it for five minutes and 10 minutes. Then I don't have to think about it. Then I just felt it without having to tell myself to feel that way. And like you practice that. You get in the moment. And so that instead of you thinking about like, how do I get to be better next? It's like, imagine how you would have felt five years ago if you were looking at today, how would you felt if you had all these things? Oh my God, my house is amazing. Like those little things 
it's not about changing your feeling right now. It's about building the physiological response so that you don't have to tell yourself to feel that way. You start to feel that way all the time. And now for me, even when I go on something and we just went ATVing and off-roading yesterday in um, South Dakota. And if I was being objective, it was a long way to drive. The trails were super average. The equipment was fine, but not over that interesting. It was a little bit long and it was too, too much on-road to get to the off-road. That's the objective review of that thing. That's not how I felt. And I remember my brain thinking that, but like, I'm used to being like, this is awesome. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm in the black Hills of South Dakota. Like in the, on a Monday. Right. You know, like I didn't have to tell myself to, to feel that way anymore because I had been telling myself for so long. It's so you've, to be natural. Tra- you've trained yourself to enjoy where yes. you're at. But it's a still okay to be motivated for more, but you've trained yourself to enjoy yes. where you're at. Yeah. And I, and I fight those instincts like you're having. I fight them all the time. I'm just getting way better than I used to be. So I have you for about 10 or 15 more minutes, if that's okay. Is that all right? Of course. Of course. And I'll, I'll change the subject in a minute, but I, I want to just kind of put a pin on this for everyone listening. You know, being an, a professional at enjoyment, especially where you're at. So... Yeah, you heard me say that today is kind of like one of those blah days for me. Here's the truth. You know that I jacked up the tailgate of my truck. (laughs) So and what you don't know is what I just found out yesterday is the cloth. The roof on my motorhome is jacked. I don't know if I hit a branch or if it's a manufacturer. Bottom line, I found out yesterday that I don't have a warranty to pay for it. So I'm in a position now to where. I got to get my truck fixed. I got to file an insurance claim on that. I got to call the yeah. dealership. I got to call the manufacturer for the motorhome. I got to fix my roof, all this stuff. It's stressing me out. It's kind of making me a little sick to my stomach and I'm not happy. Help me today. How do I find enjoyment in doing that? Well, that's the, that's the point. Like it's okay to have a crappy situation. How much of your day are you willing to let it consume? Right? Like that's the question. Okay. And is there things about this that you should be like, oh, well, you know what? Because my guess is that you're not going to have to move out of your house. To pay for it. Right. That's my guess. Yep. My guess is that you're not going to have to sell it because you can't afford to do it. Right. You're not going to not go to a restaurant tonight. You're not going to not buy your kids a hockey stick. Like you're going to spend money that you have allocated for some future thing in the world that someday you will spend it because you're out. You're done making money. Right. Like okay. what if that was the last three thousand dollars in your bank account and that's the way you you kept it right or whatever let's say it's going to cost you five thousand dollars what if i sent you a little note that says hey matt you know if you're out of money completely and you're down to your last five thousand dollars i'll pay for it. like does that change your thing it's like you know that it's perspective if you're in the mode of like you want to wallow in a little bit of like this sucks like okay that's fine i do that sometimes but it's like at the end of the day, where does this really impact you? It's awful. And you're like, you don't want to spend the five grand or whatever it's going to cost you. And so it's like, did you have something better for the five grand right now? Like, probably not. Will you make another five? Of course you will. So it becomes like a little bit, if I was training, I'd be like, I can't believe that I can like fix this stuff and it doesn't change my life. Like I can't believe I'm in a position where I can crash my tailgate and it will magically get fixed because I'm in a position where I can make that happen. That's awesome. That is awesome. Because there are a lot of people out there that can't. And so you may not feel that way. 
but at least you're putting in the, the work. You're getting the reps. You're taking your free throws. You're throwing the ball. You know what I mean? Which actually makes me feel a little better, to be honest with you, that I, I my task is training myself to go through that crap with a different perspective. Go ahead, Eli. We're right. Gonna... And then you know what you'll find? Is because you're doing it on purpose, if it works, it's kind of a feedback loop. You're like, oh, I actually do. Way to go, Matt. I, I did it with a better perspective today. Like, oh, guess what? You just you just told yourself, like, you'll actually feel victory, even though you're trying. And pe- some people ask me, like, well, aren't you just fooling yourself? It's like, well, no. It's like, do you think when the Clippers go to practice and they shoot baskets, they think to themselves, like, these baskets count? Like, those are in practice. They don't count anything. So when, right? It's like, so then when you do shoot it for points, it's more natural. It feels better. So when you're really in a position on a day where there's nothing great going on, you've practiced the ability to feel better. And so now you have better days on days that would have been average. Mm-hmm. On good days, you'll have great days. And on days that would be kind of crappy, you can actually get back up to like a passing level. So you'll find over the year, the number of days that you have that were crappy days become like really small. And honestly, like I don't have a lot of those. I have lots of moments. I have hours, but I don't have many days, full days of Brant's in a bad mood or unhappy. Like if I get really hungry and things are annoying me, I'll get a little hangry. And so that'll be that. And then I eat and I'm back to normal. But I wouldn't say like, oh, I had weeks or like I, that just doesn't happen. Anymore. And that's because timing wise, I've just put in the, I've put in the reps. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do today. So I've done this a couple of times before, but I'm going to do it with this today. And I challenge the listeners when you're in, you know, slightly crappy situation, like I'm in where I got to call and file a claim or talk to the, you know, guy that's going to repair my truck. I'm going to do it differently. Here's what I'm going to do. I promise. I promise you, Brant, and I promise all the listeners that I'm going to do this. When I talk to the truck guy today, instead of being like, dude, I messed up my truck and -and so-and-so's an idiot because it's not really my fault. I'm going to say, dude, I jacked up my truck, but the good news is we're still here. We're going to make it happen. How are you going to help me fix my truck? I'm just going to approach it differently and just say, like, you're freaking awesome. Yeah. Just imagine if they asked him, who was your favorite customer that filed a claim today? (laughs) What would you do? How would you do that phone call to be on his list? That's it. If you do that... With, if you do that once or twice, you'll realize like, oh, wow, this is very powerful because it, like that is a, and there, by the way, there are lots of times where I don't feel like doing it, where I'm, I'm tired or bored or I don't feel like going in to the desk and wanting to be the best customer. I just want to get to my hotel room or whatever. That's fine. But it's the more you do it, the more you'll find. And again, if you're making a claim on your truck today, imagine if the guy on the other end had to give it a, a, a prize for the best customer. What would you do? What would you say? Even thinking about what you would do and say, you'll find that it lightens your mood. It changes your posture. Like you're just like, oh wow, it's because that's what it is. And again, it this is not a magic fix, right? Again, like if you're at a Tony Robbins thing, it feels more like you snap your finger and you become happy. And that is, and he can train you to do that in the moment when you're in when you're in in the seminar jumping. In, yes. Right. You feel better. I mean, God, I felt like top of the world. I quit my job. Thanks to you. But (laughs) the reality is you probably won't enjoy the process of filing this claim. But that's not the point. The point is 
telling yourself you can be in this moment and it will start to be more natural. Eventually you will be, you will, it won't drag you down the same way because you're physiologically just programmed to be more happy. And this trip that we've been doing has really helped me focus on that because I used to be like, where am I going to live? Where am I going to be able to live? Not in California. It's going to make me happy. Well, like all of that. And now I've realized like, Oh wait, I live in a 550 square foot trailer and I've been doing that for six months and I can keep doing it. I don't, ha- and I don't have to be now. I don't have to leave California and I don't have to move somewhere else. I'm going to, but I don't have to because I could be anywhere. Right. I love it. I'm in the middle of Wyoming and I'm, I could be happy today. I can have a great day and I will have a great day today and the next day. And like, I don't, I'm realizing like, like the perspective and I'm just used to performing. I'm, I'm used to performing and, and making the best of this. And like I told you, horrifying, awful, unpleasant water park, make the best of the day and leave that thinking like they had a great time. And they actually did, even though it was impossible because it was a horrible thing, but they, (laughs) they just made the best of the situation somehow. Well, I'm going to get to, you know, not so much your trip, but the logo behind you, over your right shoulder, reject average. But before we do that, that's the challenge for today. So I'm going to approach it differently with my claim. If you have to go to a root canal or a dentist appointment, be the best root canal person today. If you have to go have a meeting, you know, parent teacher, because your kid's acting up or the teacher sucks, be the best person and just see what happens. We're going to do this together. And start small. Start small. Start small. Root canal may be too much for somebody, right? Like, <laughs> start small. Start with if you had to win a prize walking from your front door to the car to start the car, and there was a prize for who walked the best from the front door to the car, how would you do it differently? S- start small stuff, then do more and bigger. And eventually you can be like, okay, if, there was a, if this dentist was giving a prize, who was the best root canal patient, how would I do it? And you'll find that you'll actually be able to do that. And then you won't have to try anymore. You won't have to make force yourself to feel that way. You'll actually be like that. I love it. Tell me about reject average behind your right shoulder. What is that? Because I know what it is. It's a loaded question for me, but for you guys, especially in the beginning, you might not be able to do it on the level that Brant's doing it right now, but you can do this idea. Oh yeah. Make it yours on a different level. So tell us about reject average. Yeah. So, it's a travel adventure club. I run it through my nonprofit. And basically I just plan adventures because I want to go do something fun with people. And, and in LA, you find that people don't do stuff. Nobody owns a pickup truck, no ski, nobody is fishing So from my entire life on going that fun, I found that very like difficult. And one day I, I, I saw this guy with jet skis on the back of his towing them. And I was like, I haven't been jet skiing in like eight years. I like jet skiing. And I was like, when will I ever go jet skiing? Never, you know, maybe I'll go, what am I going to do? Buy, go by myself. Like who does that? Right. So I just rented five jet skis and sent an email out to my friends. Be like, I rented five jet skis, We're leaving out of Long Beach, 10 AM. We're going to go down to Newport, have lunch, come back, cost about 150 bucks, blah, 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 whatever it was. Right. Mm-hmm. I had like 30 people want to go. I was like, well, that's weird. And so then I had somebody, you know, I think the guy who ran Netflix was like, Hey man, I wish I could have gone that weekend. Let me know when you're going to go again. I was like, well, I'll go next weekend. Rented more jet skis, more people came. And so this turned into like, you know, a group of a few friends to now probably a thousand of us now. And I just plan stuff. And I think of what, what would I like to do this weekend? And it could be 
sometimes it's big stuff. Sometimes it's small stuff. You know, there was a, there was a really cool rock park to go bouldering. And I decided to have a, like a family picnic at this park. And so I just sent the email out, bring your kids. I'm bringing the barbecue, you know, whatever. And there was like 75 people showed up no and we had a great day. And it's like, this is amazing. Right. And so the club just became this way for me to go and experience things with people. Because if I sent out an invite, which is basically just show up here, this is what we're doing, this is what you bring, people will show up. And so for me, it worked out well because I'm a producer. I like to produce moments and I could have friends. And so I I just, I fell in love with that idea. And so in 2019, um, before the pandemic came in, like I did like 36 different adventures almost every weekend I was doing something. And for 2020, I had 41 planned. And it was just the idea of like, I want to do fun stuff. And so I think as more people get into this, they, the idea that like, if you want to do something fun, if you want to find joy and you just spend some time planning something, surprising A, how many people want to come with you and B, how fun it is. Like so awesome. who doesn't love to have a bunch of friends and go do something fun? Like, you know, so we'd go like float the river, the Kern river. I just rented everybody inner tubes. I, I knew where to put in. I just sent people those details and 23 of us showed up and we all floated down the river and I wouldn't have done that by myself. And I didn't have any friends that were going to call me and ask me to go do it. So it just, it's just been an, an amazing opportunity to just force myself to go find things that are fun. And even if it's stuff that I don't do as a hobby or that I don't think are, you know, really fun or interesting on itself, on its surface by planning it, bringing people going and executing it and doing it. I come back and I'm like, I won this weekend. I won. We won this weekend, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's been, that's been incredible. It's been an incredible thing. And, I, and I'll, I'll give you a good example when this, you know, as we're getting into, into winter, one of the best ones that I, I, I'll tell people to try is like do a midweek ski day. Midweek. Right. Yeah. You know, nobody skis midweek, right? Yep. So it's like leave after work, take one day off, find friends like, like four of you rent a place, ski the two day. Like you will be so shocked at how much and plan a place for dinner. And like, it'll cost you like five or 600 bucks or whatever it is. By the time it's all done, three or four of you, it will be, you'll be like, this was the greatest thing we've ever done. Cause it's out of the blue. You know, it's true. Especially nowadays. Uh, I mean, everyone's kind of winning at the crab table. Like a, a lot of people have money, even people on unemployment, right. like money's not right. hard to find right now. I'm not saying rich. I'm saying 300 bucks, 400 bucks. Like you can find a way to find 300, oh 400 bucks to do something. Yeah. Like we, I don't know if you've ever seen those like Polaris slingshots, a three wheel, like motorcycle yeah. Batmobile looking things. Yep. I saw one go by. I was like, that is really cool. I'd like to like, so I just rented five of them for the day. They cost a hundred bucks. And I just sent an email out. Hey, I'm going to go on a slingshot tour. And I, I, you know, I spent an hour finding cool roads and then a place to stop for lunch. And like, not that hard to put that together for the day. But can you imagine how much fun people had where they literally just showed up and I had a map for them and here's where we go. We drove and we switched drivers and like people lost their minds and it like (laughs) took nothing to plan. And it created this amazing thing for the day. And it's a memory and pictures and like, so, okay, that worked great. Like, why wouldn't you want to do something like that next weekend? Like, you know, That's awesome. You've changed my perspective. I'm, and I'm going to actually pick your brain about this. I want to do 
something because you know me like you know i, I want to do something from a ministry standpoint for couples yeah like i would love to do a mini couples retreat for like two and a half maybe three days hey we're gonna do this activity go to this place i'm having this private chef and i'm gonna have brent come in and speak for 30 minutes and my buddy rex crane come in like dude i can help a lot of people and give them a cool trip we can put that together so fast like that is so that is so easy to do you just pick a date pick the spot send the email out figure it all out as you go it's that simple. People will, oh my God, people will show up. I would love to do that. I'm going to do it, but I want to keep love it that tight. I, I only want to do between like five and eight couples. Like I don't want 30 couples there. So do eight couples, do six couples. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And it's like, where do you want to go? You want to go to Palm Springs? You want to go to Colorado? Where, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I, I think around where here, would you like to do it in Tennessee? I want to do something maybe like East Tennessee, Gatlinburg, Smoky mountains. And go pick a place in the Smoky mountains. You know how long they would take you on Google to find a cool spot. <laughs> Exactly. And it'll take you about it'll take you about thirty five seconds to realize. Okay, that's going to cost two hundred bucks a night, and then you get a basic idea, and then you're like, okay, here's the date, November seventeenth through the twenty yep. first. Don't you think? And could- we're going to have people speak every night, and we're going to go do this, and like we have a guy. Like, I mean, they could put this together in my, in, in seconds. It's like you're going to have the girls thing that they're going to do with this thing, then the guys are going to do that, then you're going to have a couples thing, and there's like there's the dinner, and then there you go. There's your weekend, dude. You got free time, and then and then what, like the more little planning and the little details, then you then you know what you're gonna you gotta get uh, t-shirts made for everybody. Okay, you know how long it takes to figure out how to get a t-shirt made with people's name on it, like nothing. <laughs> right. But now you've actually like we planned that in 30 minutes, and now you can start sending emails out to people that you know would be interested to go. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's the weekend. The weekend's gonna cost 700 bucks, and but here's what you get, and blah blah blah. And then what do you do? Because you told me this, people who say they're coming and then cancel on you. They're out? <laughs> well, it's different for me because my my group is fully nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. And by nonprofit, I mean, I means like I pay for a lot of stuff. Like it costs me money all the time. Right. But the joy I get from providing it and giving it to people and, and, and having them win is higher value for me than a few extra dollars that I forgot to charge for the tax or the tip or whatever, right? Like that's what it always happens. Oh, I forgot I, I didn't. I forgot we got to get a car to take us here. Oh, that's 250 bucks. Like, I'm not going to go back after, hey, guys, everybody needs to chip in another $23. Like, that's that to me would rob me of a little bit of joy. And that's just my own personality, right? Right. So that's the way I do it. So for me, it's like I provide a lot of work and I ask very little in return. So if you cancel on me, mm-hmm. that just out. robs me of joy. <laughs> Like not only do I usually have people paired up or I have a certain amount of numbers or I've rented a certain thing, but like it, it makes my thing more difficult. And I don't, I don't want you to pay me the $500 to go, even if you don't going to go. Cause then it's like, Oh, now you don't get to experience it and I get to take your money. Like that doesn't make me happy. I want the joy out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing is, is part of my sort of, yeah. If you, if you miss one or you cancel or you're out, you don't get the invite. Um, but that couple's retreat, people would flock to that like crazy. I'd make it good too. I I would want it. You'd make it amazing. Be, when it's done, people look at me and say, "Dude, when's the next one?" This was so good for well, us. Well, for some reason, you haven't done it because you either think it's hard or it's too much work or it might not work or people might not show up. But it's like that's not the way it works. You'd be able to put that together so fast. I, I mean, I got people doing this that that are in my club. You know, one of my buddies is a uh, Joe Holly. He's a ex NFL player, and he came on my shark diving trip, and that was a whole mastermind series I did. And then now he started his own. He started his own club for um ex-professional athletes 
who nice. are going through the process of trying to figure out what life looks like after being in the highest performing category in the world to, to basically being not in that mode. And so, you know, he's talked about it for so long time and then we just worked on it and bang. Now he started, he's doing his first big, huge whitewater rafting three-day adventure with 25 guys. That's awesome. And it's like, it's more about just deciding to do it. Like people will show up, want to do couples with six couples in Gatlinburg for a weekend and work on relationships and enjoy and learn from each other. Like, dude, if you really want to do that, the fact you haven't done it, shame on you. That's so easy to do. You should be doing that right now. Well, the reason I got the idea was because of you. Like after I'm like, okay, what he does with the CEOs and stuff, I can't do that yet. But you know who I do have leverage and commodity with is married couples. Like I have influence. I have influence with married couples. So, and I have, I could think of 10 people right now that I would want to dwindle down to the top five that I'm like, dude, I would love to hang out with that couple for three days. Right. You know, I'm doing Yeah. And my, my, um, my suggestion is, was to do it at cost. So don't try to make any money on it. Right. And provide amazing fun. And then also do it less for what you're doing for them, but do it for you as well. Like, what would you want to do on this couple's retreat? Yes. And build it around that so that you come back from it going like, oh, my God, I would have paid to go to this. Right. Mm-hmm. And that when you start doing that, then it's like, oh, then you're like, OK, well, what else would I want to do? What about a father son thing? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Dude, idea. What about a right? father son thing? Like, See, look how excited you got me today. I love that I you're know. on here. That is the key. Like, if you think of what you'd want to do and you realize that other people aren't planning it. So that's why it's not happening. So you go out and do it. You want to do father-son laser tag? You want to go, whatever, go, you go put it together. Father-son fishing trip. I did that with my kid. We went up to Whistler and we did a father-son fishing trip. It was awesome. You leveled me up. It was up. awesome. I love my dad, but I wish you were my dad too, but you're my friend and that's good. Go, buddy. So, what's, so what's next for you? This is, I mean, are you going to feel like me in a month when your trip's over? Because what you guys don't know about Brant is when he said, you know, everything that he's done, he chose to walk away from Hollywood. Like he was earning and doing at the top producer level. Like when you hear shows like biggest loser and bar rescue, like dude, those were his shows. You decided to buy a motorhome and travel all 48 States with your family and plan trips. You're almost at the end of it. Now, when, do, when does it end and what are you going to do? What's next? We're back in LA, September 15th. Um, I'm looking forward to the end, not because I want to be off the trip, but because it's, it'll be, I wouldn't mind a break from the constant, like we do, we do an activity every single day. Right. So the planning and the, and the executing that is like I, the idea that I, I, I take a couple of weeks and not have to plan something every single day. is kind of like interesting to me. And also like, you know, as you get near the end of stuff, now I'm not fixing things anymore. I'm, you know, it's places turning, it's yeah. getting messier. And so the reset is kind of cool. But from a standpoint of like, I have something to go back to, like, I don't, I don't have any other plans. I've actually purposely not thought about what's happening next because it's like, I'm in this moment when I get back to LA, I'll figure it out. Whether I sell this is probably what I do and do something else. Whether we move, when we move, I don't really know yet. And I'm actually less motivated to make the decisions now than I thought I was going to be because I realized like, it doesn't matter. If I stay, if I stayed in this and just kept going, I'd be fine. I mean, I wouldn't do it like this. We move every three days to catch all 48 states. That is a major mission. Nobody else would know. That's not a normal thing to do, right? Like we miss a lot of stuff in states. It's a lot of traveling, but the kids love the mission. And I will have seen 
all 48 states in six months in an RV. Very few people in the world will ever get to say that. That's cool. Yeah. But from a day-to-day perspective, like I could be anywhere. I could kind of be doing anything and I'll be, I'll have a great day at doing it. And I'm working on making sure that's going to be true always, no matter where I live, no matter what I'm doing. You know, I, I signed on to do a new movie. So I'm going to direct a new movie next year. Like, do you need, we'll figure out how that works. Do you need a chubby middle-aged ball guy to do a I couple definitely, lines? Definitely. I, I mean, do. I need that. I can I need help. that. Look, you get me for cheap labor. I just, I've never been in a movie before. I've done a ton of TV, everything under the sun with TV. I've never acted in a movie before. Just give me a line. Like, you hey, go. you can't walk in there. Like, excuse exactly. me, ma'am. Or like, let me tip my hat and be like, howdy. Like, that's it. That's all I want. Howdy. There Maybe you, go. you can just collect work me those in. residuals. Yeah, just you know, work me in. All right, last thing before I let you go. Uh, best place you've been for all the listeners. Like, hey, if you're ever gonna do anything, trust me, I know. Do this in this state. What would it be? It has to be the US National Whitewater Center in North Carolina. I mean, it it was it was the most fun, exhilarating, exciting day we've had. Because uh, it was just off the chart awesome. And the place is a man-made whitewater park that you can kayak and whitewater and ropes courses. And it's just the the lack of uh, risk from the whitewater because it's all man-made just amplifies. Because I love whitewater rafting. We've been three times now. But that was just a different whole thing. So I would say that is just awesome. Number two, if you have kids that are kind of younger, I would say get on a plane, fly to St. Louis, and do the city museum. Wow, Flights really? to St. Louis are so cheap. It's so cheap, and it, it will be the, the most incredible day your kids have. It, is, it was one of the wild. My kids are too old, but, but we had the greatest time ever. It is wild, and there's no, I haven't seen anything like it in the, in the rest of the country for little kids like that. Um, and then I would say the, the interesting thing about it is those are probably two. The other thing is if you're on the Arizona side, the Salt River has a you can float the salt river and there are wild horses in the river and that is a wild experience but other than those kind of like things and there may be a couple other ones i can come up with almost all the other activities we've been doing are kind of you can duplicate them almost anywhere like we like i said whitewater rafting and kayaking and we did an archery thing in new hampshire which was amazing but you can do those things almost anywhere Right. right Because the world is built around recreation and trying to find fun. So there were very few things that I was like, in this spot is the only place you can do that. Um, You know, like, yeah, you can't see Mount Rushmore anywhere else. So if that's your thing, I get it. But, you know, it was, I would say from a, from a place location, that was probably, those were probably the the sort of like the real standouts of like, wow. Because we saw 15 of the most beautiful lakes in the, in the world. But a beautiful lake you can get in almost every state, right? Right. What did you think of Rushmore? I mean, it was awe-inspiring, but there wasn't a lot of activity you could do there. Right. So we probably stayed an hour, an hour and a bit. It was really great. I got great pictures. We talked a lot about it. It was fun listening to the kids talk about presidents and who should be up on Mount Rushmore and how Teddy Roosevelt was up there and because he's the guy who created the national park. So we kind of got a free pass on it. Like it was a whole thing, right? So that was kind of cool. But as for like a, Hey, would I make a mission to go there specifically? Like, no, um, it was cool. If you but we pick- were there for Sturgis bike rally and that was awesome. 
If you had to pick one president in your lifetime that should be added to Rushmore, who would it be? Reagan. Reagan? I think so. I think from an impactful sort of like economic and sort of like session, I, I think probably the most impactful and he's dead. And so that fits. I love you. You're the best. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I hope that the people so, listening, man. because I, I could tell, like for me, this one, like I feel better after this because you did something in my mind that I can now create regardless of where I'm at in life. Like now I can create a moment, uh, an, uh, a challenge for myself. And it does something different to the inside of you. I appreciate yeah. that. And, and you know, here's the thing. I'm not looking for anything from anybody. Like I have a book. I don't need to sell any more books. I don't like, that's not my goal. You can't buy my course. You can't come to my free seminars. There's nothing to buy from me. I got nothing to offer anybody. I don't need anything from anybody. I'm not looking for anybody from your listeners. I do this because you ask me the questions. I like to tell people this stuff. If it works great. Like that is, I think the problem that a lot of people are having is that everywhere you go for advice, everywhere you go for someone's perspective, I'm not even giving you advice. I'm just giving you a different perspective. Somebody is trying to make money on that every single time on the line, drive my course, give me your email, like blah, blah, blah. Right. Yep. And I think like you really find what's true, what really matters if you find somebody who's not trying to get make money from training you to do what they do, right? Anybody who tells you they can make you money in the stock market is lying because if they could, they'd make so much money that they don't need to do courses to do that, right? If I can make money in real estate, I don't need to sell you a course on how to make money in real estate because I'd be rich enough that I wouldn't care about your dumb ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real world. So anybody offering you or saying that they're going to charge you or you have to pay to come to their seminar stuff. That's why people are so leery of that now because it's so little. And I like just being in the position where it's like, I don't know, I'm just here. Can you hire me? No. Can you buy something from me? Not really. I don't care. Whatever. You know? So does this mean you're not going to buy my sales seminar that I'm going to promote right now? I'm totally joking. Sign up with me, Brant, and I will tell you how to close deals better. All right, last question. Go to will, the 3minuterule.com and buy the book. Will you come to a Titans game this year and watch your boy announce? Uh, yes. Yep, I can guarantee that I will do that. I appreciate that you actually thought about that before you answered. You didn't impulse yes like everybody no. else does. Yes, I'll no, be there. No, I absolutely will because here's what's going to happen is my son... Uh, is going to be turning 16. Mm -hmm. He's in love with Tennessee. Yes, he is. And he wants to go to Smoky Mountain Knife Works, which is the largest knife store in the world kind of thing. And he loved that place more than anything in the world. And so for his birthday, he's already asked me like, hey, can we go to Tennessee and go to... And I was like, absolutely. So I will tie that all together. We'll make a Tennessee trip. I love you, buddy. Thank you so Have much. Thanks. Thank you for coming on and leveling up everybody. Eli, do you feel better? Do you got some yeah, objectives? I, I feel better, man. Yeah? That's good, yeah. Helps refocus some things. It does, huh? Yeah. I'm going to be the best husband today and win my wife over different things, and my reward is going to be tonight. No, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Brant, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, buddy. Anything you need. That is Brant Panvitic, and you can follow him on Instagram, which I highly recommend because his stories are phenomenal, and he keeps updating them. And he's a producer. He's a creator. He's a freaking president. Like, he knows how to make good stories. You could follow him on Brant Pinvidic 
on Instagram. That's B-R-A-N-T-P-A-N-V-I-D-I-C. So follow him. And thank you for following us. Please like, subscribe, and share this right now. And like we always ask you, give us a rating, share this. We are growing. We're in how many countries now, Eli, off the top of your head? Oh, man. Over 30. Over 30 countries. So thank you so much, Eli. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you to our listeners. This has been another week of Level Up. 